Good evening. If everybody would just please take a seat. I think we had one, somebody's already walked out of here. I don't know if that's a good sign or not. He's just going for the water fountain. He'll see that the water fountain's closed. So here he comes. Well, good evening, everybody. I am so glad that you're here. Um, you know, as we get started, I want to welcome you to Calvary Leadership Training in Sebastian here in the fall of 2020. Um, it's very interesting because I didn't know if we'd had one here before, but I think we have. But Laura told me it was in 2013. So from 2013, seven years, here we go having Calvary Leadership Training in Sebastian. How awesome is that, right? And just to let you all know, you look great with the mask. I, I can see your eyes. Everything looks great. So I'm going to open this up in prayer, and then I'm going to do a little housekeeping. Um, there was a little bit of an issue with the emails. Is everybody getting my emails? If you're getting my emails, please let me know. If you're not, come to me, and I'll talk to you about that. We'll get that taken care of because I want to make sure that we're all getting the information for the classes. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we uh, just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here tonight as servants, servant leaders. And Father, that's what you've called us to do. That's what Jesus was, and he's our role model. So Father, tonight, as we look at leadership, biblical leadership, it's not the leadership of the world, but it's biblical leadership, how you design your church and how you design leaders to lead your people. So Father, tonight, may your Holy Spirit just rain down upon us. May we just be filled with your spirit. May he teach us, guide us, and direct us to the things that you want us to know. May our hearts be receptive, and may our eyes be open to the things that you want us to see, our ears open to the things that you want us to hear tonight. So, Father, we're here for you. As we look at leadership, we look to our leader, our king, and that's Jesus. So, Father, tonight we ask that you will just be with us. Help us to be more aware of your presence. Give us guidance and direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Welcome. Glad everybody's here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to have slides up on the screen. Um, I sent out an email, but there was obviously an issue with an attachment. So we're going to go over that tonight. But my name is Pastor Craig, and we have Pastor David in the back. We're going to be with you for seven weeks this is a seven-week class with various topics. We have all these different topics that we're going to go over. You're going to have different pastors from different campuses coming down, and we're going to go ahead and teach you. But I'm going to give you a list of the uh, topics that we have. I'll email those to you. But tonight, we're going to be talking about leaders' character. Um, next week, it's building and maintaining a team and identifying leaders. Um, that will be Pastor Mike Braun. Um, accountability and Personal uh, Missional Discipleship by Pastor David Kluse. Um, spiritual Gifts, Baptism of the Holy Spirit by Pastor Dave Folkerts. Um, communication, Conflict Resolution, and Active Shooter, Pastor Joey and myself will be doing that one. And then Leading a Small Group, The Importance of Prayer. Um, I'm going to be leading that one with Pastor Paul. And then the last one is the role of an elder. We're going to have one of our elders come down, Steve Schlesinger. He's going to come down and lead us through that class. Have you guys met Steve Schlesinger? How many of you have met? 
Yeah, he, it's going to be a great time. He's going he's gonna to be good. So I'm going to read a little bit about what's going on. Um, but we're talking about biblical leadership. It's not worldly leadership. The biblical leadership that we're going to be providing, we're going to be teaching on, we can use that anywhere in our lives, and we want you to do that. The key is the application of it. And as Steve always says, it's application, application, application. We have to apply these principles that we're going to learn in our lives if we're going to be successful. You know, and we look at Jesus as our role model. So I just want to encourage you guys because God is doing some great things here in this church, isn't he? He's moving in a way. And what's so exciting about that is that we get to experience it. And I've said this before to people because not always do we get to experience God in a way that we're doing right now. And it's truly amazing when you're in the center of God's will and how exciting it is. So I just want to leave you with some encouragement um, as we get started, and then I'm going to go over what I talked about. And the first thing I want to read is John, it's 3.30, and it says this, He must become greater and greater, and that's Jesus, and I must become less and less. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're here because we're going to be servant leaders, right? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. So we're going to look at that model. Then in Galatians 6, verse 9, it says this. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we do not give up. So I want to encourage you with that. Because sometimes leadership can be tough. Don't give up. Stay with it because there are blessings that come from that. And I just want to encourage you. And last, here's the most encouraging thing. And we all know this verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Amen? All right. So here we go. We're just going to go over this. Um, So, I have it up on the screen. It should be up there. Um, as we get started, I'd like us to be here by 6.50, if we could. If you can, that way we can get in here because I want to start and stop on time. Good leaders always start and stop on time, so we want to make sure we do that. If you can't make it, um, please email Dana in the office and let her know, or you can call her and let her know as well. Attendance is being taken each week. I am going to take attendance. We have to make sure that you guys are getting credit for this class. Um, I see everybody got their uh, the email about your badges. Thank you so much for that. That makes a difference. We don't have to hand out those hello my names are each and every week. So uh, I really appreciate doing that. Now, missed classes. I want to talk about this real quick. We're allowed to miss two classes, but I hope that you don't miss any. But if you do, um, each week you have to make that class up and that will be online. Um, Now, where you go to get that, I will email this information to you this week. You go to calvaryccm.com. You're going to go to the uh, top where it says watch, and you're going to drop down to the teachings, go to sermon notes, and you'll you'll put in that sermon notes, CLT Sebastian, and that's where the teaching for the previous week will be. So then when you listen to that teaching... You will do a page, half a page of homework, and you will email that to Dana. 
And all this information I will resend to you so you have it all. I just wanted to go over it because there was a glitch in the email this week. So um, very simple. Now, homework. There is homework with this sometimes, and there will be handouts. I will be emailing the handouts to you for the week previously, so you'll have those when you come to class. And I want I want you to be encouraged about your homework. Your homework is a great resource. So make sure you're taking good notes and you keep all that for future reference because that is very, very important. It's, uh, it's going to be for you. It's really going to be good. Now, the next thing is... Um, we want to make sure that you've done a uh, ministry questionnaire. How many of you have filled those out? If you could just raise your hand, great. If you haven't, I'm going to send that to you too. Um, the website, we want to go ahead and get that started as well. We'd like to know where you're serving. I think I know where everybody's serving, and that's good um, within the men's, the women's, and we'll go on about that. But I want to encourage you to pray about what God's doing through this class and what he's going to do through each and every one of you so that you can advance the kingdom, because that's why we're here. Now, you're going to receive a certificate at the end, and I'll show you what that looks like. This is what the certificate looks like. When you complete the class, you will get a certificate of completion, and I just wanted to let you know that. Now, the last thing here that I have is your books. Everybody, Did everybody get their books tonight, the three books? I have them. I'm not going to really show them to you. I'm holding them upside down. There you go but you have those books. I want to make sure that you read those books. It's required reading for the class. Um, I heard uh, Pastor Paul say this, but I heard a great teacher just even last night said this, that um, great leaders are great readers, okay? So make sure that you read these books. Take all of that in and make sure that you're using the resources that you have. Um, it's very nice. It's a uh, on being a servant leader by Warren Wiersbe, um, the, the core commit five core commitments by Pastor Mark, and Calvary Distinctives by Chuck Smith. Um, so we'll have a break in between each class tonight where it's a little bit different because it's actually a video teaching from Pastor Mark. So I'm not sure where I'm going to make that break, but I'm going to try. But if not, if you need to leave to go to the restroom or something, please feel free to do so. Um, Next, then, at the end of each session, we are going to have a Q&A, questions and answers. Um, tonight, it will be myself and Pastor David. We'll try to answer any questions. But if you have questions during the week that something hits you after the class, I want you to email those questions to me, and I will get back with you on those answers. We can answer them in class, or I can email you the answers. Pastor David and I will get with you on that. So I'm very excited about this class. I'm not going to ask if anybody has any questions because we're going to wait till the end. Um, I'm excited that you're all here, that you're all fulfilling the purpose which God has called you in, and I'm just excited that I see so many people here. It's amazing. You know, it's been since 2013, according to Laura, and hopefully we're going to run this each and every year because God's doing some great things here, and he's going to bring up some terrific leaders, and I know I see a bunch of them right here in this room. So I'm going to go back and get us started on the video. Thank you all so much. Hello there. We're going to do a CLT, the Calvary Leadership 
understanding and the, uh, it, the class is all about things. All of us have heard this word before. What a character that guy is. What a character that gal is. Well, that's not the character we're talking about at all. Here's the first thing you'll see on the screen. Character counts. Building and living a life that pleases God. Now, the class is really for pastors and spiritual leaders because we are the ones that have to be people of character because many, many people will be looking to us for guidance and advice, basically about spiritual things, our, our spiritual health. Now, we must be living a life that speaks, I'll have many words to talk to you about, speaks integrity, character. That is the only life that really pleases God. So even after we are dead, our life still speaks volumes about the goodness of God and the character of that individual. Just think about the word Billy Graham. His whole life, he was not perfect. None of us are perfect. But what a life. What a godly character. He has gone to heaven. And yet we still remember so much. Just his name speaks volumes that he had the character of God. That's what we're going to learn about today. Character. Here's the definition. The attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. Throughout the Bible, we see that character matters. Jesus said it like this, follow me and I will make you like me. Well, Jesus wasn't the only one that said that. Paul the apostle said it like this, Imitate my lifestyle as I follow Christ. So character matters, you can write this down, in leadership because leaders influence people. Spiritual leadership has a kind of a dual goal. Not only do we get better watching our lives to match what God wants, but we bring people to be like Christ as well. Now, lasting leadership that goes on and on and on, not up and down, not up and down, it's just a steady way up, is grounded in character. Character produces respect. If it's a godly character, respect is there. And the next thing that happens is this. Respect produces trust. And trust motivates followers. You see, if, if we have a person and we're not sure of their character, we're not sure that we can respect them, then here's one of the dangers. You, you would never trust them. You would never trust them to be a counselor or to ask them for wisdom. But lasting leadership, character produces respect. Respect produces trust. And trust motivates people to follow us. Now, sometimes people misunderstand this, but this is a really true statement. It's a proverb. Reputation is what you are, 
in the light. Character is what you are in the dark. Now, basically, Dale Carnegie was a guy that was a very positive person. He said this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what other kind of people think you are. I love Dio Moody's statement. Here's what he says. If I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. Now, Proverbs 22.1 says it like this. Listen, choose a good reputation over riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. So see how much the Bible values character way more than any kind of gold and silver and riches. Our reputation, a godly character, is hugely important. You see, reputation comes to one from without. Character comes right here, from within. That's the real that God's looking for. Reputation is made in a moment. Boom. Character is built in a lifetime. That's that steadiness we're talking about. Now, we hear a lot about this. Reputation is what men say about you. When you go to a, a, a funeral or you're going to the funeral place and you can see their tombstone, they'll have kind of a, a lot of people do, not just the date and the name, but they'll have kind of a reputation statement there. But character is not on our tombstone. Character is what the angels say about us to the throne of God. That's the one we need to focus on. Dr. Charles Stanley, a fantastic pastor, says this. Look at it. Doing what is right because it's right. Now, that's simple. That's simple truth. For the Christ follower, we, we, we simply agree that God's word is an absolute standard. We don't move beyond that. That's where we put our study into so our mind can match the things of the Bible. Obeying it, the Bible, is always the right thing to do because the Bible is all true. Doing what is right for the right reasons. That's basically what Charles Stanley is saying. Character is all about what we are, and what we are made of. Here's two things you may want to write. You see it on the screen. Character. What God wants us to become. And number two, what we want to become. Both of those, one and two, should match. That keeps us headed in the right direction. Now, the word credible comes from the Latin word credo, meaning I believe. If something is credible, it's believable. A credible witness is one 
whose testimony is trustworthy. His life and his words, they simply match up together. What that person says and how they live, it matches up together. Now, the word authentic means conforming to the original or being actually and exactly what is claimed. Here's a perfect example. All of us know about, well, genuine maple syrup. You can see it. You can smell it. When you pour it, you know exactly what you get. Now, here's the problem. You can go to a store, and it will say 100% maple syrup through and through. But when you turn to the back of it, and for 16 ounces, it's 47 cents, you know there's something wrong. And so you look on the back, and you see all these chemicals plus maple syrup flavoring. Really? No, that is not authentic. That is not the original at all. Now, to be credible means that you are believable. To be authentic means that you are genuine. genuine. You're not fake like that syrup or phony at all. So put these words together. And a credible, authentic leader is someone who can be trusted because he or she is what they profess to be. They are the real deal. We say this a lot. What you see is what you get. That's what we're talking about. Now, which comes first? Well, authentic must come first. If you're not authentic, then you're not credible. Authentic always has to come first. It means you're genuine. You're not real. You're not fake. You're not putting on something. Now, Proverbs 10, verse 9, which you see, says it like this. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. The upright man, the man of integrity, is always safe. He or she is not trying to be two people at the same time. A person that basically has integrity can, can walk. And it doesn't matter when someone comes up. They're not ever afraid of someone coming up and saying, oh, I, I understand you're not the real you. And you're thinking, well, how did they find that out? I thought I had that hidden. No, a person of integrity doesn't have to have two kind of things. There's no detection. There's no hypocrisy. They're not afraid what people are going to say. If somebody says to you, well, you're not really real. No, I don't know where you heard that. That's not true. Because I am really credible. I am really a godly character person. Now, in this leadership class that we're going together, there is an additional aspect to simply consider. Here it is. Character development is one of the key components of leadership development. Character development has a big part to play in leadership development. Timothy wrote this, 1 Timothy 3.1. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. 
that mean word overseer means elder, bishop, pastor, overseer, oversight of the church. Now, when you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 7, it is a very shocking kind of a group of words. Look what he says. Here are the qualifications of choosing additional elders, pastors, overseers, bishops, those kind of things. Here's what he says. In 1 Timothy 3, Paul gives Timothy 16 qualifications of an elder, of a pastor, of a leader over the church, an overseer. And 15, 16 of those qualifications, watch me, 5, 10, 15 have to do with character. One has to do with our gifting, our ability. Now think about that. 15 of those qualifications have to do to a person's character. One to their giftedness, their ability. So what is God saying to us with this? Here it is. God is interested in what I am more than what I do. That's huge. That's huge. Now, leadership character is defined as a consistent pattern that has a positive influence on other people. Now, you'll see me say it later on. There are no perfect leaders. We're human. But a leader character should have a consistent pattern of behavior with a positive influence on other people. We're back to that word again. You can trust that person. Here I am in the pulpit. I'm not a perfect person, but hopefully I have a godly character that's striving to continue to be like God so that when I'm teaching, people can trust me because number one, of my character, but really number two, I'm teaching the word of God, which can totally always be trusted. Now, Romans 12, 6, Paul writes about our giftings. We have different gifts according to the grace God's given us. Remember, there's humility right there. We didn't earn this. God gave us a grace gift. Romans 12, 8. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. In other words, if God gifted leaders, and we know that because God gifted that to us, we're not better than anybody else. All kinds of other people have all kinds of gifts that we don't have. But if I'm a leader, a leader, I am, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, I'm an overseer, then I have to govern diligently. Now, what does that mean? Here it is. The gift of leadership, look, I have it written for you. The God-given ability to influence, motivate, organize, and direct people, now watch this, to accomplish not my goals, but God's goals. Now, when you see that word, that word Greek means to stand before, to be over, to rule, to maintain. So, no, nobody should be jealous of somebody else's gifts, but the gifts that I have, I need to govern diligently because I'm here as God has gifted me to influence, motivate, organize, and direct people to fulfill God's absolutely goals for them, not my goals for them, God's goal. Now, why is that so important? 
Why that influence on people? Well, very simply, let me just say this to you. A leader has followers. It's not just about you or your gift. It's about the influence on the followers that God will give you. See, if you're a genuine leader, people will follow you. But they're not following just because of you. They're following because they can trust you because you're teaching God's word or you have a character that matches that. Now, this is where the character of a leader comes in. Matthew 4.19. Listen to what Jesus said. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. You see, you and I are called Christians, Christ-like. What was Jesus like as a person? Listen to what he says. Although he had no beauty that we should desire him, it was his personality, his trust, his character, his godliness that drew men to him. The only one that you can ever find in the Bible, any person, because he was fully God and fully man, the only person you can ever find that had perfect character is Jesus. Nobody else ever in the world had that. Jesus had perfect character. So that means one thing. The perfect role model of a leader with godly character is only Jesus. Even when Paul wrote this, look at it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, So I urge you to imitate me. Paul was confident as a spiritual leader because he did have godly character. But he told the Corinthians to imitate him. Now, he was able to make this statement, not because he was perfect. He was not. He was able to make this statement because he did walk close to God. He spent time in God's word. And he was a great prayer. And he was aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life at all times. Jesus was Paul's example. Remember, he says, follow me as I follow Jesus. In other words, maybe Timothy, if you see me doing something that you don't see in the life of Jesus, don't follow that because something's wrong. So understand that he was aware of God's presence at all times. And Paul, Jesus was Paul's example. He could be then an example to other people. He never highlighted himself. He always highlighted, I strive to follow Jesus. As I do that, you follow me. Now, that's a goal for every leader. I rarely would say, follow me, except if I put that exception in there, because I am not even a Paul. I mean, look what Paul did. And he, when he gets to his end of his life, remember what Paul says? I haven't arrived yet. If Paul didn't arrive, good luck for all of us. But we are striving. We are growing. We are maturing in Jesus as we stick to the word of God. Now, Paul was expecting others to imitate not everything he did, but the, those aspects that they could tell. Ah, I see Jesus in you. So he learned to model Jesus' way of living. Now, here's the key why character is so important for leaders, people who are about people watching us, looking at us, listening to the teachings, sitting as you're doing, 
listening to this leadership. You know I'm not perfect. There isn't a pastor here that isn't close to it. But here's what you want to write down. Leaders are helping to shape the lives of their followers. Now, you remember, we'll probably get to it again. I'm going to answer for this. I'm going to answer for my character to God. Now, God designed leaders. He designed it with the, basically the power of influence. The nature of our influence is right back to character. The nature of our influence depends on my character. Our character is related to one thing, the Spirit's control in our life. That's why we have to be filled with the Spirit, because the Spirit being filled in us directs our lives, not our old fleshly life. And when that character of the Spirit controls our lives, we have a much wider influence on and accountability to God and people. When they see this person is filled with the Spirit, then they know that good things happen. Not balancing or trying to balance the flesh and the Spirit at the same time. That never works. That's why Jesus said, Paul said, keep on being filled with the Spirit. That's where the character shows itself real in a steady way. Now, the wider our influence, the more accountability to God. Leaders, look at this. Leaders are to lead as if God was leading with his character and by his rules, by his word. Now, I should believe and behave and lead as if God was leading because if I really have a man of character, he is leading. I'm just an example of Jesus in his life trying to match that. So leaders are to have godly character and because they're respected, honored, and obeyed as they follow God. Now, here's three things I definitely want you to write down. Here we go. Be a leader worth following. Be a leader worth following. Now, if I remove all of this out of the church and we look at our, our world, the leadership we have in businesses, not everybody's bad, but at government, politics, all that stuff we're seeing go on now. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had leaders in government and in offices, in families, a leader worth following, a leader worth respecting, a leader worth intimidating, in, in, imitating? Now think about that. Even look at many of our news things, our social media that we look at. You don't find any respect often. They're lying to us. You wouldn't want to even imitate them. That's why quite often, most of us, we've learned, don't watch that station. Don't listen to that person. Don't even think about it. Don't read books from that person. There's nothing there of character. They look like they're somebody, but they're not even close to being like God. Now, the danger is, you'll see later, we find pastors, spiritual leaders, falling away. Why? Because they didn't respect. They, didn't, they weren't a leader worth following. They weren't a leader worth respecting. They weren't a leader worth imitating. 
Now, Paul warned us about this. And you'll see in a moment, this is going to come from pride. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So, if, think you, if you think you are standing firm, be careful, woof, you don't fall. Now, why would he write that? Because a lot of people, will see it in a moment, they, they think they're so good, they become prideful. You can follow me, man. I got it. I got it together. I got it all together. Guaranteed, without God, we do not have it together. Without him, we're nothing. So you have to be very careful. Paul warned. He knew that pride was terrible. Now, let me read to you in Acts 13, 22. After removing Saul, this is one of the sermons that uh, Peter and Paul gave. After he removed Saul in the Old Testament, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man, watch me, after my heart, God says. He was after my heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Let me give you a couple character traits. Number one, a godly leader has a heart for God. Now, Solomon, who wrote so many wise statements in the Bible, Proverbs, look what it says. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard my heart, for it affects everything you do. See, it's not the physical heart. It's that spiritual part of me. The Bible uses the heart to describe our innermost thoughts and basically attitudes. The heart is the control center, the spiritual control center of my life. And basically, all the decisions come from my heart. So the first thing you understand, a godly leader has a heart for God. It's not divided. I'm putting God first. That's what David was going to do. Now, look at verse 16, 7 in Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider, remember he was looking for a replacement for Saul. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Praise God. He'll even take short people. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, the real you and the real me. You see, a lot of people in the business world, if you're muscular, if you are very, very tall, if you have a fantastic look, people often will hire you on the spot and they forget. It isn't the outside that you're trying to make sure of character. It's the inside people that are real. What you see is really what you get. Well, God said that exactly. So we're reminded that God looks at the heart, not on the outside, which man can see. We could add all kinds of things. The internal aspect of our character counts the most with God. He is looking on the inside. He can see our, our behavior in light of what he sees, not on the outside. Nothing wrong with being dressed nice 
or if you happen to be a gifted person, or if you have that muscle, or you have that what, guy, gal, whatever, that's beautiful. But it's not, that's not what God's after. He's after the heart. It's the inward part, what's in our heart. Ezekiel eleven nineteen and 20 says this. I will give them an undivided heart. See, a person of character isn't trying to live in the world and live for Christ at the same time. That's a divided heart. It, it never works. It never works. Lot was one of those people, remember? He, he tried to live for God, but pretty soon he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it doesn't work. We're reminded that God looks at the heart. Now, Ezekiel says this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart, from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, my kind of a heart. Then they will follow my decrees. They'll obey the word of God and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. See, when we became a Christ follower, God gave every single one of us a new spiritual heart. These hearts are designed by God to empower us to want to obey and to follow God. After salvation, God is now directing our control center. That's why we have to continually be filled with the Spirit. Because if I'm not filled with the Spirit, I'm filled with me, and I go back to that old fleshly things, what I want, not what God wants in our life. Now, let me just say this because I said it before. As you listen to some of these challenges that we all have, let me remind you of this. Godly character doesn't require a perfect heart. There are no people other than Jesus with a perfect heart. But we're striving to be a heart, have a heart, have a character that matches God. But of course, we know that even after salvation, you know it, I know it. Our spirit was changed at salvation, but we're left with that old flesh. It rises up and we have to make sure we understand there's always a battle going. Satan's always trying to speak to our flesh. God's always to try and direct us by our spirit. It's God basically directed. So we need to allow God to direct our hearts by judging our hearts. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit when he came to live in us. He convicts even Christians. Wait a minute, Balmer. You're not doing the things. Careful, don't go there. Now, why is he doing that? Because he knows that I can just, instead of following Jesus, I can follow myself, and that's wrong. To follow Jesus, I have to unfollow me, and that means I keep myself, my heart, and God will absolutely understand. One thing that can happen to us very carefully, we can be blinded to our own desires and hearts, and maybe a friend has to tell you, well, what are you thinking? Or maybe the Holy Spirit goes when we read a scripture, whoa, that's me. Okay, God, I ask you to forgive me. God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm instructed to search my heart, God. If you see something, I ask you to forgive me right now. I know you'll forgive me, and I want to keep moving on as, as a man or a woman of God. Now, look at this. Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an any offensive way in me and lead me 
Lead me in the way everlasting. So I think this would be a good good time to take a break. So um, we're going to take about two, three minutes. So if you need to use the restroom, get a drink of water. Um, I really like Pastor Mark's, uh, what he said about uh, a leader that people follow them. Because I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but a leader that nobody's following, he's just taking a walk, right? So, you know, that's important. So we'll just take a few minutes and then we'll get started again. All right, everybody, if we could just take our seats, we'll go ahead and get started and uh, finish this up. Now, if we have a heart after God, we will ask God to judge us. Because when we know something isn't right, we're not comfortable. We know we're not in the will of God. That's where I want to be. That's where you want to be. So that's why we confess our sins to God because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's God's love for us. Now, if we have a heart after God, we're also going to have a heart for people. Remember that all the commandments went down to two. Love God, love people. Jesus is the perfect model for godly character as we already talked about. And you'll see those character traits there. Here's character trait number two. A godly godly leader has a servant heart for God. A servant heart for God. Psalms 89.20. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. Now, again, our role model is Jesus. In Mark 10, 45, it says this, for even the son of man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Could it be that we must be a servant with a servant heart before we can become a leader? I believe it's exactly true. See what Jesus said right from the start? I didn't come. This is not the reason I came. For you to serve me. I came to serve you. Eventually from the cross. See, he wasn't promoting his own motives. He was promoting his own godly character. He was a leader with a servant heart for God. That's huge. Now, why would we not have a servant heart? Well, because you'll see it again in a few moments. Pride causes us. Well, I'm the leader. Come on, serve me. We had a time a long time ago. It was, it was a wrong discipleship where if you were a leader of a church, you could say, uh, you need to serve me. Get out, wash my car, change the oil for nothing. Oh, by the way, my lawn needs to be mowed. That was called discipleship way back in those days. I can remember that back in the 70s and 80s. Eventually, that fell apart because that was not biblical. 
As a pastor, I can't stand here and say to you, well, you got to do everything for me. I'm serving you once a week. Come on, take care of me the rest of my life. No, 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 no. I'm here to serve you. That's what God wants. Now, here's a motive check. He said, well, I am serving. Good, fast, wonderful. But there's a problem to serving. Sometimes we have the wrong motive. Look at this. Motive check. We need to serve with excellence. Not mediocre. Not so-so. Are you, in this class that you're there, are you serving? Are you serving with the right attitude? Or would you want people to serve you? Are you serving with, man, people will never know I'm really not doing a very good job, but at least I'm getting it done. Well, no, God knows. Careful. Ephesians 6 and 7 says this. Obey them not only to win their favor, when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your, here we go again, from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. You know why that's true? Because that's who in the, all, in the underbottom of all that, I am not serving just people. I am actually serving God. That's who I'm going to answer to. So we must make sure that even in small things that we're serving with excellence, Getting out of our way to what we do and just simply do what's right and you know it's going to please God. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says it like this. Whatever you do, do it well. Well, Pastor Mark, a lot of people won't know that. They'll know it's a good job, but I'll know it isn't really there. Well, God knows, and that's who you're doing it for. So don't try to play around with that. Don't try to be something you're not. And for me, sometimes I have to get up and change things in my teaching because God speaks to me often in the morning, like at 4 o'clock. In fact, just last night, I got up at, at 4 o'clock and wrote some things that he wanted me to say in the sermon that I didn't have. I had a lot of it good, but he needed to correct me and focus a little more on one or two of these parts. And I just wrote for a couple, a couple pages of stuff that I'll be speaking this weekend. Why? Because I want to do it with excellence. Not about me, but I want to do what God wants me to do. And sometimes it takes a little extra mm, to do that, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, Colossians 3, 23, 24 says this. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart, as if you are working for the Lord, not men, since you know that, the, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. You know, that goes back to the statement we want to hear when we get to heaven, all of us. Well done, good and faithful servant, not, hey, thanks for a 50% job there, bro. Yeah, yeah, you tried to put it over on me, but I knew better. See, you don't ever want to hear that. I don't want to ever. But again, there's no perfect servants, but we want to strive for excellence. Character trait number three. A godly leader has a sincere heart for God. In other words, integrity, a clear conscience. Psalm 78, 
says this in verse 70 and 72. Psalm 78, 70 and 72. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and the lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants of all those people, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them. He cared for them with his heart and led them with skillful hands. David was an example of a man with a sincere heart, a true heart. But even Joseph was better than that, a great example. Joseph was a man just like us, but under great pressure to compromise. He maintained a sincere heart by running from Potiphar's wife when she tried to get him into bed. David, on the other hand, was trying to hide something from God for a whole year. But finally, God's grace restored him. Now, integrity means sticking to your word. Integrity means doing what you said you will do. Integrity isn't sinless perfection, but it's a pursuit of inner excellence. Now, Integrity means that our private life could be suddenly exposed. Doesn't matter. I'm not afraid of that. You know, there's lots of people. David would have been one. He knew he wasn't right with God. He never thought it would be exposed. But when Nathan came, oh, he exposed it. And he knew he was guilty. And that's why he said, I've sinned against God. You see, we're not going to be perfect, but you want to be real. You want to be a person of integrity. And if not, then say, God, forgive me. And if you've tried to fool somebody else, just go to them and say, you know, what I told you about that was not really true. I'm sorry. I have to apologize to you right now. I'm not afraid to meet you again because I'm just saying to you, I'm promising you, I want excellence in my life. I don't want to be a person that is out here and my conscience has always bothered me because I didn't say the truth to you. I apologize. I ask you to forgive me. See, understand, the temptations are always there. Now, here's another great one. Remember God put you in leadership. Now, how do I know that? Because God's the one that assigns us with our gifting. And he's the ones that opens the door. As I told you many times, I never thought I'd ever be a pastor. I mean, I was teaching when I was in, in basically in high school and church and then at college and university and so forth. But I just loved teaching. And I taught small groups. When I was a pharmacist, I'd teach Bible studies in the cafeteria. But I never thought I'd be a pastor. But God changed that as I went through. Now, let me read you Psalms 75, verses 6 and 7. This is huge for a pastor. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man. But it is God who judges. He brings one down and he raises one up. Do you know, we're never to forget that God put you in the position where you have today. You didn't earn it. God gave it to you. It's a gift. And promotion comes from God, not from other people. 
Let me give you another great example because we all kind of fall to this as leaders. Promotion comes from God. It doesn't come from me trying to promote myself to other people. Well, you need a pastor here. I'm the right one. Careful. God is the one that promotes us or he takes us out. You know, we're getting ready for an election. You know who's going to put in who he wants? God is. Of course we're to vote. Why? Because we live in a country we can still vote in. Think of the crazy billions of people have no chance to even vote. We vote the Bible, the biblical principles, and we leave the outcome to God. He always puts the leaders there. Just like he does in government, he does in a church. God puts us in leadership where he wants. Now, as you think about that, here's the next key. Remember, God is going to hold us accountable. There is nothing hidden from our all-knowing God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't ever think you'll get away with anything, anything secret. No, he knows everything about us. Be accountable to God and to the leadership of the church. Everyone needs to be accountable uh, to someone. I'm accountable, obviously, first to God. I'm also accountable to all the elders, and I'm accountable to my wife. A leader has to be accountable before God. And I'm even accountable to the other pastors to try to be a godly leader to mentor them. Where there is deep reverence from God, there will be integrity in our daily lives. Now, here's another big one. A lot of people, let me just say this to you. A lot of people say, man, I'd like to be up there like that pastor. I'd like to be a Billy Graham. Wow, look at those people that have this great resume. I mean, they have this reputation all through the world. They're phenomenal people. I'd like to be this guy and this guy. I'd have that music gift. That man, these guys on stage, I can do better than that. I'd like to have that gift. Careful. Careful. Remember the statement. Remember that there are more responsibilities for a leader. See, we're warned about that. Look at James 3.1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, why is that? Because a leader influences people. See, when a leader falls, and you'll see this later, that sin of falling, moving away from God, not being a man or woman of character, affects so many people. So when you take a place like this or a leader somewhere in your church, you're leading small groups, you're leading youth, you're leading whoever, what basically James is saying, be careful. Be careful because you're going to be judged more strictly than anybody. Because a leader is always a person of influence. Now, that doesn't mean some of you should say, well, I'm getting out of this class. I'm not interested in that. No. God can make you a leader worth following, influencing people. But you have to realize the responsibility you have. The larger the church, the larger the audience watching, whoa, that's heavy. And we have to make sure God help me be a godly influence with a godly character so people respect me and trust me. Now, there's a leadership law that states this. Losers focus on their rights. This is a proud leader. While leaders 
focus, losers focus on their rights while leaders focus on their responsibilities. Aha, that's it. No pride. I'm focusing because I'm going to answer to God for this. So if we keep our eyes on eternity, then we'll have our, take our responsibilities seriously. When we get to heaven, we're going to answer. As a leader, we're going to answer for many more things than, than a person. But basically, every parent is going to answer. Were you a godly role model as a father, as a wife? How were you as a teenager? Did you obey your parents? Or did you just go off and do your own thing? You see, we're all going to be responsible for the life we live or the lack of life that we live. Remember, Moses gave up his rights of power, position, and privilege in Egypt to do one thing, to follow God. It says it like this in Hebrews 11. Moses preferred to suffer with God's people rather than to enjoy sin for a little while. Wow, what a choice. That's a choice of character. We need to protect our integrity at all costs. If we lose it, if we lose our integrity, nothing else matters. We've lost it. Romans 12, 9 says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now, Paul knew the importance of integrity. Listen to this. Paul says this, unlike so many pastors, we do not peddle the word of God for profit, for money. Send your money now. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. See, a, a person with integrity and character has nothing to hide. What you see is what you get. They live, we want to live with a clear conscience. Louis Palau says this, be faithful and godly when no one is watching. Be faithful and godly when no one is watching because God is. You see, you can't put anything over on our all-knowing God. Paul says this to Timothy, Timothy, my son, I give you the instruction of keeping with the prophecies once made about you. And may you fight the good fight, holding on to faith and good conscience. Remember, conscience is the sense of what is wrong, right or wrong in our motives or our actions. Our conscience is our spiritual alarm system. You know, when you're driving your car, and you think you have a lot of gas, and all of a sudden the red light comes on, and then the warner, the light comes on, but then there's a warning. What the heck is that? Whoa, low on gas. Well, here's what you have to understand. Our conscience is God-given, and it's programmed, not by us. Well, I think this is okay. I think this is okay. I don't have a problem with my conscience. No, the Bible, the Bible programs our conscience. When a person gets away from God and gets out of the word, their conscience goes bad. But the conscience is programmed by the word of God. It's all true. Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's character trait number four. A godly leader exhibits humility. Leaders are always in danger of pride because they're up front. Where am I at? 
I'm in a sanctuary that seats almost 3,000 people. I'm here. I'm standing before you. And see, when I'm there, I have an upfront up position. But the problem is, the danger with that is this. When you see that happening, leaders can be very prideful because everybody's focused. Same thing with musicians. Same thing in your small group. You're the leader. People are looking to you. <clears throat> but with God's power, we can not be prideful. See, prideful is independence from God. Pride magnifies me. Wow, look at me. And minimizes God. God hates pride. It's one of the major sins. That, that's why Satan fell. I'm going to be better than you, God. Well, that didn't work out too well, did it? 1 Corinthians 2.4. Paul got this. My message and my preaching were not with words, were not with wise and pervasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Paul didn't say that when he taught, it was with his wisdom, his power, his teaching ability, his PowerPoint notes, his illustrations, his reputation. No, he preached and taught with the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, without him, we are nothing. We are nothing. Now, here's the warning from Solomon, the wise man. When pride comes, there comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You see, humility is having the right view of self because we have the right view of God. God's in control. I'm not in control. Interesting, if we want to be wise, we first need to be humble. We first need to be humble. Luke 14, Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The biblical way, watch me, is always up. Nah. The biblical way up is always down. See, world goes, the higher I go, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. That's exactly what Satan was saying. I'll be better than you. Watch me. No, the, the, the biblical way is not up. The biblical way is always humility. But man's way prideful way is always up. Look at me. Paul says, no, no, don't look at me. Look at God. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. It's always down. Jesus not only taught humility, this is humbling just for me to say. Jesus didn't just teach humility. He lived it in every area of his life. I wish I could say that. But I have to, just like every one of you, I have to deal quite often with pride because God hates it. Be careful. Be careful. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Humility means we understand we don't have the answers. God has the answers. Humility means simply this. I need God's help. I need his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness. Sometimes it's hard for a leader 
A prideful leader who thinks their talent is the answer to man's problems, they have problems. They will never last. They will never. God will not honor a proudful pastor, elder, leader. Never. Be careful. Be careful. Character trait number five. Interesting one in leadership. A godly leader is sexually pure. Ecclesiastes 10.1. Yes, an ounce of foolishness can outweigh a pound of wisdom and honor. Now remember, when God made us, he made us man and woman, both of us with a godly gift of sexuality for a woman to be aroused, for a man to be aroused. Remember what Jesus said? Reproduce, replenish the earth. Well, that sexual drive, when kept under godly control, is powerful. It's wonderful. It was designed to be exactly that. But like everything else, Satan has taken it and just perversed it all over the place, horribly, wrong everything in that area. Notice what that writer just said. An ounce of foolishness can outweigh a pound of wisdom. Listen to this. Anyone can build up a reputation of godly character, which is like a bottle of fine perfume. Let's say you have a fine perfume right here or aftershave, whatever you like. Pleasing, very valuable, uh, very valuable. But with one little discretion in the area of sex, one moment of foolishness can ruin that reputation. Just like one dead fly flying into your open bottle of aftershave or perfume. That fly that gets in there, it ruins everything in the bottle. That's exactly what happens when we have one moment of indiscretion. One moment of sin with a man or a woman out of the godly character that God wants. It takes very little to reverse a lot of good. A few minutes of pleasure and sin can bring great destruction. Now, 1 Thessalonians says it like this. Take a look. God's will for you is to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. That's hard to do today. Because media is filled with it. Advertisements are filled with it. Our cities are filled with it. Our movies are filled with it. Then each of you, watch this, will control his or her own body. Now remember the body, the battle is in the mind. I have to be careful. If my mind starts to go that way as I'm looking at this, I have to say, nope, not interested. Take it out of my mind. I have to do it. I have to control my own body. Now, I can't do that by myself. But when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have the power of the Holy Spirit to say, no, I won't walk at it. I will not look at it. I will not go further with this. Now, look at verse 4. Then each of you control with his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Now, I want you just to look at me. I'm going to finish with a couple things. And God taught me this a long time ago. When we talk about sexuality, I want you to think it's a good thing from time to time 
to put first, what are the consequences if I watch that show? What if I privately date that young lady? My wife's out of town. Could I be in trouble? See, those temptations are always there for all of us. And if I do that, here's my problem. Here's my problem. Listen, think about what could happen before you give in to the temptation. Here's going. Think about before. Grieving of the Lord who redeemed me. I, I'm, I'm caught in my sin. I didn't think about it up front. I'm caught. I have displeasure with the one who matters most to me. I discredit the name of God. I say shame. I bring shame to my husband or my wife or my children and the other family members. I never thought about that. I lose respect of my wife or my husband. I never even thought about that. I bring shame and hurt to my friends and especially those I've taught about Christ or even discipled in a small group. I bring shame to my family at church. Shame and hurt to those who I've worked with for years claiming I was a Christian. All those years that I witnessed about Jesus are destroyed. They're irretrievable. I can't go back. Years of training and experience in my ministry or my gifting of teaching a small group or some type of area of leadership may be gone forever. Why? Because I never thought up front, what will the result of this supposedly innocent situation be? How many people who have got caught with drugs alcohol, pornography, men, women, all that, would have never imagined in the wildest imagination that little thing that they thought was little destroyed their life and hundreds of other people. That's why I want to end with this one statement. Character counts. Building and living a life that pleases God. Father, Thank you that you gave us Jesus on this earth to be our role model. And humbly, starting with me, I ask that you keep us good leaders, godly leaders, with a character that says what you see, you get. Forgive us, Lord, of the many times that we get prideful or we think we're something. Or that we say, I can beat that temptation, and we know it's not true. May we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and say no to those things. And Lord, if, even as I'm teaching, if there's a thing in my life or in the life of those that are listening to me that realize they need to go to somebody and confess something that wasn't really true so that that could never come up in the future, and they'd worried about their whole life just to get it done, get it off their conscience, have a clean conscience, and go before you. 
And Lord, thank you for the giftings you give all these leaders. And we want to please you as Jesus did. And we know we're going to stand before you. But God, we just say to you again, we know we can't do this by ourselves. So keep us humble. Keep us with a heart that's a servant heart, a pure heart that's after you, a heart of integrity. God, we can't do any of this that I even taught without you making it real to our heart and causing our heart to be open and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and also to the influence of the Holy Spirit when we have to confess the sins that are in our heart. Thank you that you're our leader. We're followers of Jesus Christ. Help us to be true men and women of character because character matters and we have such a responsibility of influencing many, many people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, amen, amen. And we're gonna come up front, Pastor David and I. Um, so I hope you got something out of that class, out of that teaching tonight. It was very good. I'm going to give Pastor David the mic because I can elevate my voice. So we want to open up the floor to some questions that you may have or maybe what God spoke to you uh, through those four character uh, points that he gave us. So let's just open up the floor. And because this is being recorded, I'll repeat your question, and then we'll, one of us will answer that. So who wants to go first? Break the ice, somebody. <laughs> it was that thorough. Great question. Um, what brought me to become a pastor? Um, you know, it's, uh, it was a calling on my life. I didn't, uh, I didn't know what it was. Um, it started about 20 years ago. Right. But um, about 20 years ago, God just put this calling on my heart. I didn't quite know what it was um, until a few years ago after going through school and ministry. That was one of the things. You know, Pastor David here is actually a guy that's responsible for me going through school and ministry too, just to let you guys know that. I did not want to do that. I, I, I did. I, I, I fought it and said, no, this isn't what I want to do. And he came to me and we talked about it. And I think it was the last day that they were taking applications that I applied. And from there, it's, it's changed my life. It was what God had called me to do. And um, so it was a calling is what it was. Thank you for that question, Mike. Anybody else? Great, John. That that was great. You get you lead where you were called to lead. Thank you for that. Sure. 
So the question was that you had mentioned how Pastor Mark said that the Holy Spirit puts you in a leadership position, not man, right? But God does use man um, in in each church and each campus and and shows you things, right? Because remember how many times Pastor Mark said tonight, "Be spirit filled. Let the Holy Spirit fill you." And so, as as people and every single person in the room here is filled with the Holy Spirit, and many of you in this room are operating in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal things to you about individuals in the body of Christ. So the Lord is already doing a work. So we can trust that the Lord does appoint leaders, right? It's not just because where's Steve Miller? Is he here? I'm going to pick on Steve because you all know Steve. It's not just because Steve Miller's here every time we make a phone call and go, church needs painted, need you to go and lock the door for David, you know, all kinds of things. It's not that. But what it is is that we get to know the integrity and character of the people, right? And how can we do that if we don't spend time with people? One of the greatest things that Pastor Mark says that you know is a good leader knows how to love God and love people, right? And so I will tell you that if you are considering being a leader, you, you have to love people. You have to love your people that God gives you, right? And I'm going to demonstrate that. I'm going to go around this room, and I know every single one of your names, Heather, Dan, Kelly, <laughs> Mike, Laura, Ryan, Caroline, Julie, that bald guy, my brother there. He knows I know his name. Steve, Carol, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. I was thinking of your wife so much because we're doing the recording tomorrow morning. So your wife was on my name, Dennis. Carol, Sherry, Mary, Vivian, Steve Miller, John, Ray, Cindy, Alan, and David. And I don't do that to flex in front of you. I do that because when God gives people in the, your body, you need to know them. You need to pray for them. You need to be there to help them and disciple them and to be a part of what we're doing. And you'll, you'll learn that. Many of you in this room, right now I can look around the room, and for the most part, I can tell you where you're serving in this church. That's the other thing. I know what your gifting is and what you do in this church. And so my whole point is, is that I'll tell you a quick story, and then that'll give you time for one more question or two more questions. When I took Calvary Leadership Training in 2004, it was a first class. And it was something that was promoted from the pulpit, and I was growing, and I was loving on Jesus, very new in my walk with the Lord. I got saved in 2000, but I remember they talk, them talking about this, and it was actually an application. There were over 382 applications for a class of 90, and so I just remember the Holy Spirit saying, I have more for you. Will you walk with me and trust in me? And so I remember sitting just like you in this class with the Holy Spirit telling me that there's something more that he wanted to do in and through me to serve him because of my gratitude towards him saving me. And so my prayer is that because you're here, that, that that's your desire, that that is your desire, that you there's something inside you that says, God says, I wanna take the vessel, Heather, I wanna take you as my vessel and I wanna use you in a mighty way. And, and leadership is the most blessed thing that you, can, that you can be a part of because 
you grow when you're here in a service and being taught, but you want to know when you really grow close to the Lord, when you step out in faith and you need, you need to count on him to help you teach that class or have that hard conversation with someone in your ministry or you know, where you just totally rely on the Lord. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you. First of all, Craig and I are proud of you. We know that you know and we know that God has you here for a reason and that it is an unselfish reason. It is that God is gonna use you. And so as you continue to serve in your ministries, as you continue to work closer with us pastors, we do get to know you. And we believe, I've said this from the pulpit, God is gonna open up doors of incredible, incredible spiritual growth in this church and incredible spiritual people that are gonna come in and need discipled. And we can't do it ourselves. We have Pastor Ryan and Pastor Joey to help us but we can't do it ourselves. And I believe that God has called you for this moment. So I just wanna applaud you and encourage you. And everything that you're gonna learn through this series is really gonna be applicational. And that's why we've designed this class to be that way. So, all right, time for one more question and you can gear it towards Pastor Craig or myself. Okay, can I give them one piece of homework? Okay, what I'd like you to do is take those four points that Pastor Mark gave you and I saw most of you write them down. And I want you to take some quiet time with the Lord and just answer that question. Am I that person filled with humility? And it's a spiritual gut check for me, a spiritual gut check for Pastor Craig. And I would just ask you to do that. Journal it. Put it in your notebook and journal it. The second thing, there is a need, and I'm looking at you because you're Calvary leadership trainee students. Next Wednesday night, the church has a need. So here's what the need is. We are opening up our live services on Wednesday night, October 7th, and I'm gonna do a three-part series called This Side of Heaven, okay? And, I'm, and so what I'd like to, what, I, what we need as a church is I would like for one of you to contact me. You can call the office or email me, um, dclues at calvaryccm.com, and I would like you to say, I am committed to sit in next Wednesday's service and I'm committed to come out the following day at, at 11.30 and meet you for lunch, and we're gonna do a recording. We're gonna, what we're gonna do is sit at, at a round table, and you and I are gonna, just gonna have a conversation about the service, and we're gonna answer questions. People that come on Wednesday night will see that. So if you would step up to that, and you are available to come Wednesday night at 6.30 next Wednesday when we open our live services, and then come and have that conversation with me. I know Heather came to my house one day, and she, we had that dialogue. It's only gonna be about 20 minutes, and it's not even putting you or me on the spot. We're just gonna pull out something out of the lunchbox and answer a question from the audience live on Facebook and, and have a good time at. So pray about it. It is a need, and that'll be part of your homework if someone would step up to help me with that. All right, Pastor Craig, there you go. I'd, li I'd like to thank everybody for coming out. Um, you know, as we get started, there's six more weeks to go. It's gonna be an amazing journey. So just hang on, because God's going to do some amazing things through each and every one of you as we go through this. Um, I'd like to say one thing about myself during this period of time. I'm going to make mistakes as we go along through this, so please bear with me on it, just like the email with the attachment that wasn't there. So there's things that are going to happen. I, I make mistakes. I'm going to let you know that. So, And we do. And, but I want to let you know that we're striving for that excellence in what we do here, 
and I'm going to try to get better at what I do. Um, we're working on that little glitch with the emails, but that is how I am going to communicate with everybody is through that email or a text. That's the best way for me to get a hold of you. If there's another way that you would like me to do that, please let me know, and I would definitely do that for you. And so what I will do is I will send out a link to the for the teachings, for the archives, and for your homework. So if you need that. So any other questions before we close? Yes, Ray. Yes. Okay, reference to the books. Great question, Ray. We have to read all three of the books. Doesn't matter what order, and it doesn't have to be read within the seven weeks. They're for you to read them and grow from them. So it is required, though, for the class. That's why we all have them. But you do not have to read them during the class. We'd like you to start as soon as possible, maybe go home tonight and read one of them. You probably could do that, right, Ray? See? I know you could. So great question, though. There you go. Remember, great leaders are great readers. So, yes, Mary. That is correct. I will send out a link probably tomorrow or Thursday at the latest with the link and where you can go. I should have it uploaded by tomorrow morning, so it'll be there live on the website so you can get to it. Thank you, Mary. Anybody else? No? Yes. Would someone like to... Uh, we got, we're in a room full of leaders, potential leaders... Great. That was great. I like that. Would anybody like to pray us out tonight? Julie. Thank you for all of the blessings that you have given to each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you for this class tonight that each and every one of us can learn, can be filled with courage, and increase our faith so that we can be the leaders that you would want us to be. This is a, a night in our country's history with the debate, and we just put all of that in your hands, Lord, all of it, because we don't know. Only you know, Lord, and we trust you. Be with each and every one of us this week as we go about our daily lives being leaders, not only in the church, but out in public so that people can see your love. And of course, none of this, Lord, we don't want any of this to bring glory to ourselves, but only to you. Thank you for Craig and Dave as they work with us, Lord, to make us better leaders for you, Lord, to glorify you. In all these things, Lord, we say thank you, we honor you, we glorify you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you, everybody, for coming. Have a great night. Be safe going home. It was raining out. I think it stopped, but still. Be safe, and God bless you guys. Good night.